Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. You're dialed into Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Be a part of the show live every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Facebook, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, or the CMSNetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. As a reminder, we are live every other Thursday at those four locations at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to catch video replays of the show, you can check out our YouTube page or head over to Heavy Metal Television. That is our main hub for all things Talking Into Infinity. If you want to check out the audio replays just google talking into infinity podcast and we're pretty much anywhere you can find uh find your podcast so uh check it out there uh, making his triumphant return to the show my long lost co-host brian hendrickson what's going on man you're back hey has it been two weeks already it <laughs> you, man see this time it just doesn't work it just doesn't no work. no oh my gosh yeah i was uh i appreciate you filling in uh you know i really missed the show i don't know how much i missed you but you know we can talk about that later <laughs> but yeah i was i for well first of all i got to go see the rush movie and i'll touch on that in a second but uh then i was sick as a dog did not have covid but i gave it to my wife and now she's sick and she wants to kill me and as we said, that's nothing new anyway, but now it's like to a whole new level, you know, like actually hiring someone to do it, you know, double checking the life insurance, all those sort of things. But uh, yeah, no, it's awesome to be back in. Uh, it sucks being sick when you're old because like, you know, I actually had to have her take me to the emergency room at, at like 2 a.m. on a Sunday night, Monday morning before we're supposed to both be working. Wow. And it's like and we get there and it's like. I explain what's going on. Like I told you, like I had this horrendous sore throat. It felt like I was swallowing glass. I couldn't eat. I couldn't talk. I couldn't sleep. I can do anything. So you get there and they're like, and you tell them everything's going on. So you're like, oh, so you have a sore throat, huh? You know, <laughs> just so condescending and like, you know, you know, what in the world are you doing here at the emergency room? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, that, that's why I woke my wife up at two in the morning, you know, yeah. so I could come in here because I'm just barely hardly sick at all. But anyway, I'm much better now, and it's awesome. And uh, you know, the week before, I got to go see the uh, the Rush movie, um, the R40 celebration again. I'd seen it before. They added some new stuff, and it, you know, it really dawned on me. Um, with without Rush, we we honestly we would not have this show, and and that's really that's really kind of a testament to someone who's not even in the band anymore. And I think that's Mike Portnoy. Okay, um, he w- he was such a ginormous uh, Rush fan. He was a huge Neil Peart fan. You know, he was close to Neil up until the end, until he passed away. He was one of the few people that knew how sick Neil was. But, you know, Portnoy was the one that sort of kept everything together and kept that band going and going and turn it in to be able to what it is today. And I just don't do not think we would have a dream theater if there was if there was no rush. I I think it was that big of an influence on him and also on Petrucci. But, you know, just what a great band and. It's just the idea of three guys being in a band together that long. It's just, it's unheard of. It just simply does not happen. Now, I understand John Rutsey was on the first album, but it's like, 
you know, when you talk about the Beatles, you don't talk about Pete Best, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that type of thing. But yeah, it was just, it was just a great experience. And, you know, knowing that's the last time you're going to see most of those songs, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get it. It's, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, yesterday was, you know, the one year anniversary of Eddie Van Halen passing away. And that's, um, you know, Van Halen is my favorite band. Eddie Van Halen's like my musical idol. And, you know, I thought the same thing. It's, you know, I, there's been a few Van Halen tribute shows that have come around in the last year and I've had to miss all of them. So it's like, well, that's really the only way I'm ever going to see these songs again. You know, I mean, Sammy Hagar plays a few of them, but yeah, like, I mean, it kind of, it's, it's kind of bittersweet in a way, isn't it? You know, like with, with Neil Peart passing and, you know, Eddie Van Halen, it's, you know, it's, it's different if they retire because it's like, okay, you could come out of retirement and do shows. Okay. Whatever, you know, pull a Motley Crue or an Ozzy, but when like the main guy dies like it's it's done i mean it's you know it's like same thing with with pantera you know there was never going to be that hypothetical you know zach wild with you know with the other three guys of pantera tour because they're like nah man it's you gotta have dime bag to do pantera so yeah i mean there's some really cool rush tributes out there i mean obviously you have to be good you can't put together a terrible rush tribute because you're not going to ever get booked but there's some really good tributes out there so you can still see that but yeah i mean just what an end of of just an epic era of, of just a three group of guys that just they were just great friends you know yep. i mean they were but they were friends and they were musicians before they were anything else and like i don't know if you remember you've read most of the kiss uh books by all the different members like the gene simmons one was hilarious because he was talking about i think they had just done farewell to kings maybe it was either that or, or fly by night and they had the cassette of it and they played it for gene and he thought it was the stupidest thing he'd ever heard of his yeah. life you know and he talked about you know backstage tour and with rush oh they're in there reading a book you know you know we're, we're down <laughs> yeah. here with the hall with nine groupies and doing whatever and yep. supposedly not drinking since gene yeah. never drank you know <laughs> but, totally yeah but it's just hilarious because you know just what a such a serious group of musicians and they that's all they cared about was just being friends and the music and you know, yep. and all the hardships Neil went through with, you know, the passing of, of his daughter and his wife and just all the, you know, the horrible things that he went through, you know, family wise, you know, and then to still keep going with Rush, you know, he had breaks here and there when this stuff happened. But it was like, you know, just what a testament to just a cool, great group of guys. And, you know, hopefully, you know, that band just kind of lives on. And hopefully we continue to, you know, find like lost recordings and they, you know, they put out, you know, special editions for the fans you know i mean they obviously they don't they don't need the money none of those guys do but I, I think they'll do enough stuff for the fans to keep keep that legacy alive that's what i'm hoping for at least well you know i mean they with how many years they were around you know 40 plus there's there's stuff there's stuff out there you know there's definitely stuff out there that is you know i'm sure they'll be able to like you said you know special special edition releases and things like that remasters whatever um so you know i'm i'm sure i'm sure it'll continue and uh it's cool you got to see that um i, I didn't they just say they're releasing that some special version of it on on blu-ray now or something yeah i think they've they've done a few versions um there if you look online there's i don't know there's two or three different versions and there's there's new there's different songs there's a bunch of more songs that were not actually in the movie that are on some of the blu-rays and whatnot because otherwise i think it'd be like a four-hour movie or something okay but uh yeah i'm gonna look and see what what they eventually come out with and hopefully it'll be like a super deluxe pack with you know just about everything you can get on there sure but uh, one of the coolest things was like if you're a rush fanatic um, who's listening like there was a, a sound check of jacob's ladder um, off of permanent ways which is just one of their most amazing songs they don't really didn't play a whole lot of um just it's a, kind of a cult classic i guess but it was cool seeing like a sound check of that with nobody there in an outdoor amphitheater and it's like oh man i haven't heard him play this song 
like basically ever, you know, <laughs> right. I didn't go see them in, you know, 1980 when that tour was out or whatever. I didn't see them until a few years later. Definitely. But, uh, but yeah, it's cool stuff like that. But, uh, but it's awesome to be back, man. I'm uh, super excited to get into our dream theater talk again. Me too, man. Uh, real quick final note on that. Kale, our buddy Kale McLeish, good to see you. Uh, Kale will actually be on with us in a couple weeks, uh, guest hosting again. He says that it's going to be a video-on-demand release. I don't think it's coming out on physical release, so I, I guess I guess we'll find out. Um, so uh, real quick before we get into some, some you know talk, Dream Theater stuff here real quick, uh, our next show is actually going to be on Friday... October 22nd, not not our usual Thursday. Uh, we're going to do an immediate react to a view from the top of the world. It's not going to be like our standard album deep dive. Um, so you and I are going to have to hold off on listening to the record since we just got it about 45 minutes ago. And we listened to some, some bits and pieces of it. And um, what, what's your immediate reaction to the, to the little bits that you listen to? Oh my God! <laughs> Probably. Well, I forgot to comment on v- Invisible Monster because I, I, you guys got to hear it and then come uh, talk about it. Yep. Um, talking about Invisible Monster, not super impressed or thrilled with that song. I thought it was okay, um, but what the bits I've heard of another song that we both listened to, you know, up there more with the Alien in terms of wow, this is this is very cool and yep very atmospheric and fits you know you can i don't know you can just feel it you know you can feel what they're going for it creates a mood and an atmosphere and uh can't wait to hear the rest i know i so we both listened to like the first what two two and a half minutes of sleeping uh sleeping giant i listened to about the first minute and a half of awaken the master i had to hear what this eight string sounds like and god is that weird it's like it is so weird to hear something that detuned in a dream theater song it's it's i can't wait to listen to the whole thing um it's really going to take some self-control for me to wait until october 22nd to listen to this thing because i just want to dig right into it um that's what i was so, going to ask you are you gonna are you gonna try to hold off on the rest or yeah <laughs> i mean i i can do it but i don't i don't know that you can i don't know that i have that much faith in you being able yeah to well, I mean, it sucks because like the, the way I usually like to listen to new records, especially now that they come out on Fridays, is I'll take a long a long way home from work and I'll drive through the metro parks and just kind of like getting like you know, especially since the weather's still good, I can just drive with the windows down, you know, and it's like nice weather and just crank the shit out of it. Um, and tomorrow being Friday, like I've got the record, I could totally do that, and I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 going to be difficult for me to. Uh, to not do that but I, I can already tell that i have some thoughts uh about the record and how it ties into the record that we are going to get into tonight that being uh its predecessor uh the distance over time album so i i was listening to this all week and you know kind of digging into it and i i gotta say this is one of their best records to me, this is this is a great record, and I think it's going to be a difficult task for a view from the top of the world to follow it up because not because you know the new one isn't going to be great, but because I think distance over time is just so awesome. So, do you have what are your initial thoughts, real quick, about the record before we go song by song on this? Um, you know, in listening to it again, it's a little more. I think the word I want to use is eclectic than I thought. 
Wow. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. It, it's not, and I don't, I don't want to say it's in a negative way. It's not as cohesive as I thought it was in that the songs are very more individualized um, huh. than I, than I had kind of remembered. Um, there's, there's some that share similarities, but, but, but there's a lot of different things going on and uh, I'm with you. I think, you know, we don't want to give away when we ultimately do our countdown, but this is going to be up there pretty, you know, it'll, it'll yeah. be in the, in the top quarter at least or whatever. Yeah. I, I, th- I think ultimately, well, I guess we'll have to see what the new one does, you know? Yeah. Uh, JG three. What's up, man? Good to see you again. Uh, he says, ah, I love distance over time. I actually wrote a review for it before it came out and it was the first dream theater review I wrote. And I was so conflicted as to whether it was me being a fanboy or it was that good. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't think it's fanboying. Um, oddly enough, I, I actually have kind of opposite thoughts than you do. I mean, I think we both think it's a good record, but I think it's very cohesive and I don't think it's really eclectic. I thought it was more like metal and aggressive um but i mean again we both agree that it's a fantastic record um so you know jg it's not it's not a fanboy thing to say it's a good record hell even 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 if it was a fanboy thing you're a dream theater fan so it doesn't matter you're allowed to do that we we have a whole podcast dedicated to the band so we know all about fanboying (laughs) so um yeah i think and and this one man it's like i said it's there's a certain aggression to this it's like there's an immediacy, and you it definitely sounds like they recorded it live in a room, like they were writing and recording live in a room together. Like there's that sense of immediacy to it. And to me, it's got this whole like F you, we still got it vibe going on. Like I think I think it's definitely an answer to the astonishing critics. You know, I think after that was such a polarizing record, I really think this one, they just came out and were like, all right, look, you know we're not screwing around anymore. Like you guys are writing us off. Like here, we're going to punch you right in the mouth. And I, I think, I think it's a statement record. So I, I, I loved it when it came out and I, I, I listened to this one a lot. It's got a lot of replay value for me. Do, do you find yourself going back to this one? Yeah. And we talked about this before this, this is really the first album where Mangini contributes. Um, yes. Contributes a lot. And, and I think it shows and um, it's, yeah, I, I think even in one of my song um, synopsis, I did use the word immediacy or, or urgency or, or something along those lines. But there, there's definitely it's very organic. Also, I agree with that word. I think it's almost like it, it's a classic sounding album, yet it's still modern is the best way that I can put it. That's an excellent description. Yes, like it, it almost sounds like it, there's parts of it that almost have a bit of a 70s type of a feel. Um, it's kind of a warm analog, you know thing going on but it's also very modern sounding too to me you know in most of the songs now we'll probably get 12 people to come on here and say they hate the production on it or, or say <laughs> it sounds totally different but that's my take on it and you and i have always agreed that we love the sound of this album yeah it's weird that it's it's quieter than other records but it sounds it sounds fantastic i mean i i mean that that's that's one of my notes i mean outside of you know six degrees and maybe awake this might be my favorite production of theirs I mean, it it just sounds fat. It hits you. Um, it's a big sounding record, man. I I love it. So you know, Nathaniel Rojas, what's up, man? Uh, Distance over time is totally one of their best records. The best since Six Degrees, in my opinion. I you know what? I I might actually agree with that. I I mean, for me, the astonishing is ungod ungodly good. 
But I think, to me, that's, that one's almost outside of, it's a whole different entity because it's it's a different experience. So, I mean, if you take that out of there, I would, I would yeah, I, w- I would say the best since Six Degrees for me too. Well, I, I think knowing, knowing this fan base the way I do, that's probably a popular opinion. I mean, I, I bet you would get at least a 50% peop of the Dream Theater fanboys would probably agree with what he just said and what you said. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we dig into this song by song here? I will let you go first with the album opener, Untethered Angel. What do you got? Yeah, so I'm on record previously. I was a little underwhelmed musically the first time I heard this, mainly just the course. Um, but one of the first things I did notice as we talked about was the production was awesome. Um, like I said, it has that classic and modern sound. I, I love all the verses. Um, there's like those little double syncopated things with the keyboard and guitar doubling each other. You know, there's just like those fusion type riffs. Um, yeah. Where and then they're trading solos off and on in that song. And to me, that's the best part of that song. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, it's a you know, it's a solid opener. Um, I still tend to think it's one of the weaker songs on the album, just when you compare it. But um, like I said, the first thing I did notice was that production. I'm like, oh man, thank God, cool. We've got a really great sounding album here. Even yeah. again, the chorus, eh, kind of a little. Not you know, I don't think it's amazing, but uh, I do love all the verses. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I I have some very similar notes. Uh, the, the the trading off solos, I've got that in there. I love that. Um, and, and, and you know, it goes into the harmony harmony guitar and key parts, which you know, you and I are both huge fans of. So you get that quintessential Dream Theater, you know, sound in there. Um, I I think this one and Fall into the Light are are, are very. They're more straightforward, I would say, as Dream Theater songs go, and they kind of are lumped into the same category. They're they're very similar to me when you think about it, and you know, which was kind of ironic because when they released those as the first two songs, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, hmm, like is this going to be a less diverse record? And you know, I should not have doubted them, <laughs> but um, I, see, I like the chorus. I think it's cool. Like I find myself singing it and everything. I, I think it's. That's a, the other thing about this record is that there's so much melody all over it that even on a song like Untethered Angel, like if you took this song off of this record and put it on one of the weaker records, it would definitely by far be the best track, um, which I think speaks to the quality of the rest of the album. Um, you know, I think I think I think we talked about this during our episode of album opening songs that this is one of those good examples of a song that yeah it might not be the best song on the record but it definitely does a great job of setting the table for what's to come so i that's you know i i dig it for that reason i, I think it's cool it's like all right well you know if is it, this is i was expecting a little bit more of a metal record and that's exactly what we ended up getting so i i really like this song i i thought it was a great show opener um i like it moving on to track two paralyzed uh, this is actually one of my favorite Dream Theater songs. Period. Much less on this on this record. Something something about this song. It's like the melodies are just huge. Um, you know, it's it's concise and to the point. It's atmospheric. I mean, the, the chorus is really simple. You know, just I'm paralyzed. But just something about the way that the music meshes with that vocal. It's so unique to me. I, I love it. And I I was thinking about this today. I'm like, why does this song hit me differently than some other songs? And I realized that it kind of 
feels like these walls to me off of Octavarium. And these walls is also one of my favorite Dream Theater songs. So I think, you know, it, it, there's some similarities there to me. So I think that's why I like this one so much. Yeah, cool song. Um, I will say we've heard this this guitar riff before. It's 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 not a um, totally unique thing to, to you know this guitar riff that he's doing there. It's a little bit of a variation on a, a lot of different songs they had, which is fine. I love the fills on the piano um, in the second verse, and then it's the the piano is modulating up right before you get to the chorus, and I think that really is what sells this song for me. You know, like you said, you have that atmospheric breakdown, and then we get to what we've just always talked about this this new john petrucci of this melodic singular notes establishing this theme where he just takes on the melody here's my melody i'm dumping it in here and it just always sounds amazing and then he goes right into his solos and uh you know it's fairly minimal as far as the solo part but it's like this, this short shred type phrasing but it's a super effective yeah and uh just a you know be a great song to hear live that's for sure yeah i you know i i did leave this out when we were talking about um, you know, overall notes for the record. This is definitely a guitar player's record. I mean, if if you're into John Petrucci's guitar playing in Dream Theater, especially like his solos, this is the record you want to check out. I mean, I, I was I was really noticing that, like cranking it up on headphones. I'm like, man, these solos are blistering on this record, man. It's just, man, it's definitely a guitar driven record for sure. Uh. Kale says, yay, we're 20 minutes in and I disagree with John. <laughs> Paralyzed for me is one of the weaker songs on Distance Over Time. I don't know what it is about it, but it just doesn't hit me. Well, there you go. Our difference of opinion. I loved it. For, first time I heard it, I was like, oh, this song rules. And it's it's never it's never left me. The one thing I like about it is if I want to uh if I want to play Dream Theater on the touch tunes where we're at a bar or something. My wife gets all mad, like, don't be doing that. Those are like 15-minute long songs. I'm like, no, I got one that's like four and a half, five minutes. So she'll tolerate it. <laughs> so. I mean, it sounds to me like Kale doesn't want to be on the show in two weeks. So if he keeps, he keeps up this yeah. type of behavior. Yeah. Keep keep quiet, Kale. Don't lose your spot. <laughs> but, all right. Track three, Fall Into the Light. Super heavy, sludgy riff. Um, Very Metallica-esque, I thought. Yeah, Metallica-esque. Um, and we also get eight different time signatures before we're even about 60 seconds in. You know, <laughs> you get right? some, it sounds like almost blast beats, you know, those long snare fills from Mangini. Yep. Um, I love the chorus on this song. It's like a great juxtaposition, really, between that main riff, and then you get, like, a signature formula of mixing the major and minor keys in there. You know, we always talk about so that's a key thing this band does. But yep. the goofiest thing about this song what do we get halfway in? It's Metallica, the Unforgiven Part Nine. It's like out of the Clint East. <laughs> it's like straight out of the Clint Eastwood nineteen sixties western man. Yeah, you get that guitar and the doing the harmonies, and uh, you don't see this coming at all. That's what's so amazing about it. It's like, wait, where in the heck did this come from? But it actually <laughs> works. You know, it it works, and it, it almost turns it into two different songs. Yeah. Um, but then we end up going back into that killer organ solo. And you get back in the chorus, but yeah, it's, it's just like it's one of those songs. Like, a, let's say you're listening to it, and all of a sudden you decide, "Ah, let me skip halfway through to see what happens." You'd be like, "Wait a minute, did I go too far?" Or something? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's just so out there. Like, and, and the closest thing, I, like I said, I can come to is it's like it very it does have that unforgiven, you know, like a western kind of almost like thing to it. But I, I love it. I think it sounds cool. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I really, really like this song. I, I think you're spot on. Um, I, as I said before, I, I kind of lumped this one in with Untethered Angel. I think this one's a little more interesting. I would say, um, the main riff, like I say, it totally reminded me of, of a Metallica type of a riff. You know, kind of like a new wave of Brit- British heavy metal influence type of a thing. Um, the middle section to me is awesome because it, the way it builds back into, you know, the heavy parts of the song. And I thought that was really cool. You know, it kind of goes up and up and then going back into that. And then, like you said, into the organ solo. Um, And then when they finally get back into it, it's just, okay, enough of that wussy stuff. Let's get back to business here. (laughs) So uh, I I think this is a good example of, you know, what they were going for on this record. And it was very similar to the self-titled album you know they said they were trying to take their usual songwriting and con- uh, songwriting style and condense it a little bit into like you know trim the fat so to speak and i think this is a great example of that on this record because you get a, like you said a bunch of different time changes you get that crazy middle part uh, you get the metal you get some cool soloing in there and it, it's you know it all works really well and it's you know a very concise song so I, th- I think they did a great job on this one for sure. Um, <clears throat> so moving on to, I think, a song that everybody can agree on. And if people disagree with us on this, then we're just going to ban them from the chat. Uh, <laughs> Bar- Barstool Warrior. I mean, seriously, this is basically a perfect song. I, mean, I, know, I know you and I are in complete agreement about this song. This is just... I, I will never forget seeing the track listing for this record when it came out. I'm like, what the hell kind of song title is that? Barstool Warrior. <laughs> and then when I listened to the record, I was like, I don't give a, I don't care if they, you know, call it pile of shit in the street. Like this song is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like this song is amazing. Um I mean, this is just a perfect example of their ability to use melody. You know, they are a heavier band, but this song, like the melodies just work everywhere. It's perfect there's really cool changes um you know it's kind of one of those storytelling type of things which gives it a really cool vibe um you know it go i i like you know in the second chorus when they go to the full time that just really builds it up and i mean just the orchestration underneath those choruses is is second to none it you know the way that the whole song builds to that big ending uh, the guitar solos are just perfect. Like th- this song is just incredible. It's one of the very best songs that they have ever done. It's got to be. I mean, if we ever had to rank, you know, favorite songs. Period. Like this, this would probably be in my top ten, maybe even my top five. You're muted. This is why I told you to quit muting yourself all the time. What is it doing? easier to hear me talk if I'm not muted? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's going to be awesome on the audio version. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so this to me, it sort of signals this is what the new Dream Theater sounds like. This is like them at their all-time best here. And uh, it would be kind of fun sometime to sit down. Somebody's probably already done it. But like to do it from our perspective, like, okay, there's there's like six different ways Dream Theater can start a song. And one of my favorites is these circular riffs on the guitar that they're almost like hypnotic when, you know, the way that Petrucci plays and when you start getting those, those cool chords, you know, that are put behind it by Rudis. And if there's like a, it's a very Alex, Alex Lifeson rush on this, this type of song too, which I love, you know, and they have those really cool orchestral hit accents that are going on. 
and once again we got another you know killer melodic theme solo but my favorite part of this is like jordan's beautiful piano breakdown in the middle of it man and then it yes. just goes perfectly back into the main guitar melody where petrucci's just singing over that part with his guitar I mean, he's literally making his guitar sing which yeah. like it's easy to say and be like oh I, anyone can do that and it's like no you really can't it's not anyone can do that you know anyone can play those notes but to make it sound and feel like that yeah. the way he does on those segments especially like that right right after the piano part man i mean that that's to me is is just where where it's at right there that's my favorite part of dream theory when they do that type of stuff yep i agree um so aftershocks podcast uh you you you'd be a good uh good judge of this the intro reminds me of yes's 90125 with i'm those- not familiar with that um, maybe they're talking about what kind of with those orchestral hits and stuff. Um, okay. I, yeah, I guess a little bit. I'd have to go back and re-listen to it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely yes elements in the, in that, uh, the new yes too. We've talked about before. I can't remember what song it sounded like some of the newer yes with Trevor Rabin and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, JG three says, I knew I would love it. The quirky song titles always end up being good. The count of Tuscany, shaman's trance which is bridges in the sky barstool warrior octavarium it, it's kind of crazy when you make that list of songs like <laughs> he's not wrong he's definitely not wrong man um wow i never thought of it that way so maybe they should write a song called pile of shit in the street and then it'll be like my favorite <laughs> song Kale <laughs> mcleish says uh barstool warrior six degree stuff condensed you could honestly put it on that record and it would fit the main motif reminds me a lot of the six degrees theme i i could see this one on the second disc of six degrees i don't know so much about the first disc but you know uh uh-oh Aftershocks has heard the record. Aftershocks podcast. If you think this sounds rush, wait until you hear Transcending Time. Nice. Uh, our buddies are trying to get us to listen to the record before release date. <laughs> Don't do it, John. <laughs> I must be strong. Must be strong. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kale says, you know, you're dead on with everything you say, and you really are. I mean, this is just. I mean, did we put this on our gateway, on our gateway songs list, or did we have like I don't remember if we had this on there. Um, I think there was talk of doing it, and then we're like, ah, I think I talked about, it and then you, I think you thought it was too proggy, so I don't, I don't know. Okay, but I think it was like it wasn't one. It was like sort of like our, uh, possibly on off on the side. You know, it wasn't one of our top ten. Okay. Nathaniel Rojas, there's no way John is waiting. <laughs> oh, I, I already know that. I don't know why we're pretending this. I've. I've done it before. There, there is, there is history. You know, a precedent has been set for me actually being patient enough to wait till release day. So I'm, I'm going to try. I make no promises, but you know, we'll, we'll see. And honestly, tomorrow's really the only day I can, because next Friday I'll be in the car with my wife driving to New York, and there's no way she's going to put up with it. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go, Mike. Mike Schollenberger, what's up, man? Good to see you. Uh, Barstool is an upper echelon dream theater song for sure. Yeah, it's just, it's it's perfect. I mean, very rarely can you say something is like a perfect song, but I I think this one is is you know if it isn't perfect, it's really damn close. Um, all right, so moving on to track five, room one three seven. Your thoughts. You know, I actually read somewhere that they wanted a song title about a room that was between 136 and 138. 
<laughs> seriously. No, I don't know. It was either that or they want or they wanted <laughs> seriously. Or they wanted something with the square root of eighteen thousand seven hundred sixty-nine in the title. Now I don't know if either of these are true. <laughs> if they are, it's a really stupid thing to write a song about, honestly. Oh my god. No, but, <laughs> he's back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He's back. <laughs> no, but this song is this is probably the only song on the album. I'm not sure that this is a song. To me, this is a riff that just kind of just keeps going. I don't know. It almost feels like a Marilyn Manson beautiful people with the guitar and drums thing yeah. going. Um, it gets saved at the end by this Beatles Sgt. Pepper outro deal that they're doing on the vocals, which is really cool. And I like it's kind of a scary, eerie song. But I mean, did they take more than five minutes to, to write something like this? Like, I, I can't see that they did. And when I say that this is an eclectic album, to me, this is one of the songs where I'm just like, eh. I mean, it's cool. I don't mind it, but I, I'm not sure it's a song. And I, I think that about a, a lot of stuff that I listen to sometimes. And, uh, this is probably one of the few times I'll say that about Dream Theater. It just kind of seems like a riff. It's only, what is it, barely four and a half minutes. I think it's one of the shorter ones on here. Um, yeah. I, it's interesting because like that's in my notes. It says, you know, it's one of their it's one of their really interesting slash weird song arrangements. It's kind of wonky. I I like it. I, something about it because it is so different. Um, I think for me it's because of all the layering on the vocals. It's got this really weird just this really weird kind of feel to it um I, one of the things i do like about it a lot is the decision you know track listing wise to put it right after barstool warrior because you want to talk about just some two things that just oil and water do not fit together and i just thought that was cool because you come off of just you know the majestic beauty that is barstool warrior and you get like and it's man you know, JG3, you know, he says, it's a very weird song. And because of that, I really like it. Plus, it flows well into S2N. Um, yeah, I, dude, I, I like it because it's weird. I, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, your point about it being kind of like Marilyn Manson-esque is, is, a, is a good one. It is kind of like that. So it's got a cool rhythm to it there. But, yeah, I, man, it's, something about it is just really, really cool. I, it's so unique. This would be one of those like non gateway song. Like, yeah, if you want to tell someone what Dream Theater sounds like, don't play them this because this this is not what they sound like at all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we need a list of like, okay, what's not Dream Theater ish? Yeah, you know, like an, on a prog side or even a, a gateway safe side. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You well, know, I, like like I said, I mean, I'm just being honest when I review this album. You know, I I I love it as a as a whole. You know, but it's just it's kind of a goofy song to me. It's just that's all I think about it no i don't, I, hate, I, I, don't I don't hate it you know but uh I, I like his vocals i do like the verses um i like his vocals on it. and like i said that kind of beatlesy thing they do towards the middle in the end um is cool enough to to and i do kind of think it does flow into the next song i will definitely agree on that count yeah no i like i say it's i was trying to think of other songs in their catalog that are like this one and i couldn't really come up with anything um if, if I'm thinking of like, it, again, it's it, I think it's the arrangement that does it because it doesn't really seem like there's an arrangement. <laughs> it's, yeah. It was just like they, they wrote some cool parts and were like, you know what, let's just, it, it's, it's, it seems like it was, they started writing this and then right at the point they were supposed to start arranging it and, and you know, putting bits and pieces here and moving. Th they were like, you know what, let's just leave it. Let's, let's just do this as like a quick raw thing and see what happens. Um, 
again, I, I, I just think because of the uniqueness of it, I think it's cool. You know, I, 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 I think it's cool. Well, where do they get the one three seven? Is this like one floor below on the Overlook Hotel? Because isn't like two three <laughs> isn't two three seven the Shining Room? I like was I'm, thinking I'm, the yes, the I'm exact not even joking same. about that. I like, know you're not. Like I, that's what I was thinking too. I, I, I God, I, sh- I should know this because I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I'm pretty uh, sure that so like the guy in one three seven looks up and sees the blood coming out of the bathtub. Is that what this is supposed well, to be? <laughs> it, yeah, it, it is room two three seven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh no no room two two three seven okay it was a room in the the Overlook Hotel in the book it was called two one seven so whatever I I thought the exact same thing well, uh, yeah know. in the movie it's two three seven I'm pretty sure because when um, Scatman Crothers or whatever is talking to Danny and he's like you know they're talking Scatman. like don't you worry about what's in room two three seven you don't need to be going up there anyway yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like Dick Halloran line. it's Dick Halloran right well that, that actor, is the character's but... name. <laughs> I I never I've never seen the Stephen King version or the excuse me the uh, the this 1973 version because Stephen King hates it and says it's crap so I'm like all right not watching it. You've never seen that. So, I ever since I found out Stephen King can't oh stand it I'm God. like his opinion's good enough for me. I love I love it. So, are right, moving on from uh, room one three seven we have S two N which I think it stands for what sound to noise or something like that. Um, I think that's what Jordan said it was. Uh, this one to me, I love the chorus on this song, and it. The cool thing about this song to me, it definitely has like a panic attack type of a feel to it. It's, you know, it's the song just moves the whole time. There's just like an energy to it, kind of like that nervous twitchy energy, like I said that you 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 would have on on panic attack. Um, the guitar solo in this song is awesome, and I. I love the melody that, you know, latch on to the wheel. That chorus is cool. I, I don't like the latch on to the wheel when it goes down. That I, I, I didn't really care for. I, I wish they would have kept it on the on the you know the one that ascends. Cause I, I I just thought that was awesome. Um, you know, and one of the cool things, like if you listen to it in headphones, I think you can hear it barely if you're listening to it just on a regular stereo, but right before the last chorus, you get that, you know, with those little breaks. I think it's the beat here and go, wow. <laughs> like you get that little, you know, goofy yep. little David Lee Rothism in there. So, um, and of course, we have uh, the Dark Eternal Night ending. Let's do the slow, heavy, simple, sludgy riff, and then Jordan just rip on the continuum for as long as you want, and then we'll fade out. <laughs> like, yep. It was it was really, really cool. So, oh, Kale McLeish, thank you for correcting me. Signal to noise. Signal to noise. Okay. I, I was close. Um, oh, let's, let's, look at this. Nathaniel Rojas, fun fact, going back to the previous song, room 137 is at 137 beats per minute. Wow. That's pretty cool. Man. How do they? How do guys figure this crap out? Uh, like not not you, Nathaniel, but like Dream Theater. Like you know, what we should do. <laughs> That's insane, but yeah, I, I I really like this song. I I think this is a very strong song. I would love to hear it live. I was kind of hoping this would be one of the ones they played live when we saw them, but we did not get it. So yeah, I, I never knew what S two N stood for. I thought it was some kind of code, like between like Tom Araya and Jack Blades, like Slayer Tonight Ranger, Slayer Tonight. You know, like S two N. Or, or maybe like a. Have you like been a, saving these things up? Is that what you were doing when you were sick? Or, uh, or I thought it was like a Star Wars thing. Like there's a character in Star Wars, Skywalker. Like so, like Skywalker to Naboo, Skywalker to Naboo, like the planet. It's, it's Naboo. Did you just call Naboo Naboo? 
Hey, I don't listen, Greg Lucas over there. I don't know how to pronunciate all this stuff. <laughs> you are a moron. Oh my lord. Anyways, no, no I love the cool. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, the cool spoken word thing with that vocal effect, like you're saying. Um, the the coolest part about this song is I love the JP guitar solo. Yeah, it's got all those awesome pinched harmonics and bends, and then you crescendo into that killer like those ascending arpeggios. And then you got the giant 80s squeal at the end. Like, I love those yep. type of guitar solos. And, uh, yeah, there's a big, chunky uh, 70s groove. Um, there's almost a bit of a Pantera in some of the heaviness of it, in the groove to it. I, I can see just a little bit of that in this. I think yeah. we talked about Pantera on another song. But, uh, yeah, great, cool, big, giant groove of a song. And uh, would very be very cool to hear it live. And it's, I'm glad I finally know what S to N means because I was definitely confused there for a while. Yeah, I know. I Jordan had talked about it, and I just I got it wrong. So, <laughs> but I'm glad you brought up the guitar solo because I, you know, as I said earlier, you know, this is definitely a you know John Petrucci album, and I think this might be the best solo on the record. It's just something about it is just absolutely frenetic, and it's just total shred. But there's some great melody to it. Um, it, it's it's just one of his best solos for sure. I I I just think it's great. It it sounds more like something that he would put on his solo record because like he, there he can just like wank and and it doesn't matter. Whereas at least he has to be somewhat structured, um, you know. So but this one he's like, no, I'm just I'm just I'm just gonna wank. <laughs> Screw it, like I'm just gonna go off on this one. So, alrighty, our next track, at wit's end. You are up, man. I've told you before my thoughts on this song. Just. Yep. Killer, killer riff mixed with Mangini's drumming and those piano chords behind that are perfect. Um, this song, you use this, the word urgency, and I'll, I'll also say it's immediate. It's just a frantic urgency to this riff, and you're just like, it feels like you're just kind of holding on, ready to go off the rails, but but you stay on. You know, like this guitar just keeps doing this riff, this just killer riff, and there's an amazing piano breakdown. It's probably one of my favorite piano moments that that Jordan's ever done. Yep. And then it goes into what we've mentioned and I've mentioned eight million times, that epic soaring singular melody guitar line behind the don't leave me now, the vocal yep. part. And uh, I just there's very few songs that I literally the pair on the back of my neck stand up. But when that part comes in in those last about two minutes or whatever, the song from from that part out, it's just absolutely amazing. Yep. Um, it, it's probably, a crazy. probably one of my favorite songs of all time of theirs. Yeah, it's it's a crazy juxtaposition, isn't it? You know, getting into the, the melodic part at the end, it's like it's so different, yep. and it's and it's not even like they do what they normally do, which is put that in the middle of a song, like heavy, mellow, heavy. Like no, it's like heavy. Okay, now the mellow thing, and then it fades out, and then of course you know they they fade it back in, which is the room mic sound, which is cool. Um, so yeah, it's I'm with you. This is a phenomenal song, uh, riff wise. This is definitely you know one of his best ever. You know the. You know the moving stuff. It goes ticka 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 ticka. Like it's just, it's really cool. Um, going into the second verse with just the the bass and drums, you know, following each other. You know, yep. It sounds fat. Like, oh, it's just amazing. You know, the the those staccato riffs when they do stuff like that. I always love when when Dream Theater pulls those out. Um, you know, and they do it again. You know, later in the record. And I'm, I'm going to piggyback on what you said. That ending is just absolutely perfect. I agree with you with the piano behind everything. And 
Oh man, it's again this this record. Like everywhere you look, there's just high points. And it, it, I mean, that's the one thing. Is I was, I was, I was writing my notes. You know, uh, you know, JG earlier was talking about, you know, fanboying in his re- in his review of the album that he wrote. But it's like I had a hard time like that with my notes because every t- every every song, there's just something. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. And you know, even even the quote unquote low points, like I said earlier, they'll, they'll fit on any other record pretty much strongly. And some it might be the best song on that record. I mean, this is this is just a, a great record, and I think this song is a perfect example of it. And it, yeah, I think I might agree with you. This is this this might be in my top Dream Theater songs list as well. I, this is this one's damn damn good. Well, I I grabbed it uh, fairly early when we did our draft. I think because I did not want. Yes, I was worried about you taking this. I don't know about the. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't sure about the other guys because I don't totally know their taste. But I thought there was right. a chance you might grab this, so I'm like, eh, I better get it. Yep. <laughs> uh nathaniel rojas says at wit's end is my favorite song of the record multiple all-time dream theater high points within this one song jg3 says i actually really like it and i have no great reason for liking it i just like how it fades out and fades back in and flows into the ballad all right well let's see yep jg3 again the ending solo could go on for another two minutes and i'd be cool with it it's a great ending solo yeah that's you know it, to me, it feels like um, the best of times. That huge, majestic Petrucci solo ending the song on that big fade out. Like that's how it felt to me, and I'm a big fan of that part of that song. So, all right, now here's one of my top songs, and this is one of the two on the record I think are basically perfect. And of course, we're speaking of "Out of Reach." Uh, to me, the intro has one of my favorite John Petrucci solos. You would have known that had my internet internet not crapped out on the episode we were supposed to do best job Tucci moments <laughs> so it's on my list um it also has one of my favorite james vocals there's something it's definitely his you know high you know kind of like tenor like breathy voice but something about it is so emotive i i love it and they they always seem to have on most records that short concise like four minute ballad and they're they're very hit or miss for me this one though i think might be my favorite i think everything about it works um the whole song is kind of a build to that big majestic ending and it's just got such a cool i don't don't know there's just so much emotion to it and all the parts work and even even you know mangini doing some busier drum stuff here and there it, it just fits it's like perfectly placed. I mean, this this is another one of the songs when I first listened to the record. It's one of the ones I went back and listened to immediately, and to this day I still will replay it and replay it and replay it. I love, I absolutely love this song. Yeah, you you got me um, to sort of take a new look at this song. I, I'll say for the three hundredth time, I hate the opening lyric. There's <laughs> something about this girl. I still cringe. <laughs> I cringe. I cringe when he says that part. <laughs> But I think this is the they put this at the perfect spot on the album. Like, man, we need to kind of just chill out. Let's just relax here for a second. Like, I think the placement of this is great. And, and Kale said something about was that the idea of fading in and out with send and then kind of going into this? Yeah, he says, is, is yeah, he says, is that supposed to be the idea that the other ending of at Witsend is meant to be a transition into out of reach? It's a good thought. I mean, it could be. Yeah, I don't know, but it, it but it does 
you know, kind of flow. And like I said, the the fact that they put this here, let, let's just kind of relax for a second and it's mellow. And I agree with you. I love James' vocals on this. And uh, I think you put it on your Gateway songs, like if I remember yes. correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you did, I was kind of like, huh? And I, I don't know. I just hadn't really, <laughs> I, I hadn't given this song a whole lot of thought or listening to. And it wasn't just because of that opening lyric. It's just because I just had kind of sort of skipped it before. But yeah. going back and listening to it, man, it's a very definitely a great tune. Yeah, it's something about it. It's just it stands out. It it is always stood out to me. It's just one of those immediate listens that lasts. It kind of I hate using this term, but stands the test of time. But you know, I always come back to it every time I listen to it. I'm like this this melody is just awesome. So th- this is definitely one that I hope to hear live someday. I would I would love to actually hear to actually hear this one. Maybe we'll get to see that when we go see the show on November twelfth. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, we got it. Our show was on a Friday. Watch, we're gonna get stuck with like a Monday or a Tuesday reschedule. <laughs> Maybe you can get Jeff Tate to play it. <laughs> if we go to that right. show. I know. Hey Jeff, can you throw in some Dream Theater for us tonight, man? Right. <laughs> so, all right, moving on to the. Okay, do we consider this the last song of the album? Since Viper King is technically supposed to be a bonus track, uh, that's another one of my beefs. I, what, I I've, what do you mean it's a bonus track? Like I've never you, understood you, you that. Record ten songs for the album, or you don't. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm wondering if they're like, we think this song sucks, but we're gonna put it out there just in case. So we're gonna call it bonus track. Like, oh, we didn't mean to. This, don't take it as seriously as the others. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's kind of they're saying it in tongue and cheek as a joke. I'm, I'm not totally sure yeah. on that. I, I don't know. I I never actually. Well, I bought the vinyl when we were at the uh, meet and greet. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I just basically listened to it on Spotify because the only physical yeah. I have is vinyl and I don't have a turntable and I kind of want to keep it intact because, you know, I think we did have it signed. I have it signed. So, yeah. But so, uh, yeah, Pale Blue Dot. Yeah. Th- this is like kind of a sneaky, really good song. Um, yeah. It, I love the spacey sci fi aspect of this song. It's like. <laughs> How are you in my notes so much tonight? That's exactly one of the things that I had written down. Well, I mean, it's kind of obvious. I mean, you know, you know for a fact one of my favorite bands is Star Set, and it's like every yeah. song they've ever done is about space and you know the, the great frontier and science and whatever. But you got those cool space sound bites um, in the intro, and the and the killer drums that start out this and that guitar riff, and I love Jordan's like ominous chords on the keys. Uh, you yeah, fe- you feel like you're being you're like you're isolated in outer space when you listen to to some of these chords that Jordan's putting behind this stuff. Like, I don't know. It's just, it just really gives that feel of like, of being out there and just kind of looking down on everything and sort of being all alone into a, to a sense and looking at the chaos that's going on, you know, like uh, they, they just have a really good way of conveying the, the, the lyrics sometimes on, on there. And this is one of those for sure. Yeah. I, I use the word ominous. I don't know if you would agree with that. Like I was trying to like figure out how to describe it. It kind of feels ominous. And I, it's, it's weird. Like, I have it. I have it down about the space thing too, and I, I wanted to ask you a question about that. I said, you know, are we thinking that? I mean, I, I get it that the lyrics are what they are, but are we maybe getting that vibe more so because of you know Wayne's stage graphics for the song? Because I wondered about that, like, because I do picture that in my head as I'm, especially with you know, um, you know, the live record that came out. We get to see it again, so I wonder, I wonder if that's kind of like you know coloring our opinion of it well i mean that that's the idea is that when you are in outer space you look down and earth looks like a pale blue dot it's like you know so it's sort of like this idea of you know 
we can't be the only thing that's out there. Obviously, look look how minuscule we look when you're you know when you're in outer space. You know what I mean? Compared well, to the, rest a, of the universe, isn't that a Carl Sagan thing? Like pale blue dot. I th- I could swear that. I is. mean, he might have been the one that coined the phrase, but that's what yeah. it pertains to: is being out there and looking down and seeing, you know, yeah, the Earth and how tiny it really is compared to everything else. So, so Kale Kale McLeish says, "I love the almost Star Wars string sound just before the verse kicks in." I <laughs> I have that I have that in my notes too. There's something a little bit Star Warsy right there. Yeah. <laughs> JG3, I've altered the feel. Pray I don't alter it anymore. <laughs> nice. Nathaniel Rojas, okay, I had it right. He says, uh, Carl Sagan's Pale Blue Dot speech is one of the all-time best ideas for a Dream Theater song. Uh, yes, the lyrics are directly from Carl Sagan's speech that he gave. Well, that's awesome. Okay, so I, I had it right. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, Kale, another good point. Because this is in my notes as well. As much as I love Mangini's drums on the other albums, Pale Blue Dot is the absolute top of his drum parts, at least until the new album comes out. Yeah, that was definitely something I had. I mean, that the opening drums, you know, with, with that, like, like how yep. is someone's hand moving that fast? I, I always picture, you know, if Portnoy comes back, one of these, you know, if, if that was ever a thing to happen, like this maybe being one of the songs where it's like, I can't pull that one off. We, we can't play Pale Blue Dot. <laughs> like, um, yeah, th- to me, this one kind of feels like a, I don't know if you can, if this is a good way to describe it because it's kind of like opposing terminology, but a short dream theater epic, it, you know, it's, again, it's yeah. another example of them wanting to take their extended songwriting and kind of condense it down. And I think, you know, on other albums, this is a 15, 16 minute nightmare to remember length type of a song. And on this one, it's, you know, nine and a half minutes. So, um, again, I, I'll double down with you. The outer space feel, I have that here, you know, um, it's ominous. And that middle section is just, I mean, if you're, if you're a dream theater fan, you, you, I don't think you can be a dream theater fan and not love the middle of this song. (laughs) Like that's just everything we come to listen to dream theater for. You know, take my money. Here's the concert ticket. Okay, if they do that all night, you're like, sweet. I got my money's worth. <laughs> so, um, man, I didn't know this. Wow, JG three. It's amazing that Pale Blue Dot is shorter than the Alien. Yeah, wow. what is it like? Eight and a half minutes to probably seven or something for Pale Blue Dot. No, no, Pale Blue Dot is like nine something, or, or I think it's like eight fifty or something. But now, I I, 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 I will say this. They have, you know, they have been quoted as saying recently, you know, they're doing the the interviews that they're releasing from Dream Theater headquarters, where they kind of have, they they had the this songwriting idea in mind, as I said for you know distance over time was let's condense the songwriting, and you know keep ourselves a little disciplined, and they said that on a view from the top of the world they removed that restriction, so they're like if you want to go crazy just go crazy, so I, you know. Well, we know because there's a 23 minute song on there. I know, there, I know. The, the, the I, title song, right? I really can't wait to hear these records back to back. I mean, that's the. I think that's the thing that's got me the most excited for the new album is to hear it backed up against this one because I think this one is so strong. And the people that we've talked to that have heard this record, "A View from the Top of the World," uh, the new one, I should say, have said that it's in their top three. So I'm I'm really interesting interested to hear if you can kind of put these together as like one giant double disc. So. All right, let's see. JG3 says, The Alien is 9 minutes and 30, and Pale Blue Dot is 8 minutes and 30. Wow, I thought it was a little longer than that. All right, well, I was wrong. There we go. Yeah, I think um, 
and we sort of touched on this before the two after hearing the alien um barstool warrior and at wit's end those two remind me sort of the most of of, of what's going on in the alien and i think it's going to be a and we've kind of sort of an agreement that those are almost maybe our two favorites i know you love out of reach but yeah but those are kind of like our two like oh man these are just sort of just mind-blowing songs on the album and that's what the alien sort of it feels like those you know what i mean yeah does i kind of get a pale blue dot feel or vibe off of the alien would would you agree with that um i mean i guess theme wise but i still think sonically it sort of reminds me a little more of barstool warrior okay i i, I don't know i gotta listen it's been a while since i actually listened to alien like when it first came out i heard it like you know i listened to it almost every day a couple times yeah but but like you said yeah i want to it, it would be interesting putting these back to back now and uh like i don't we're not going to hear anything that sounds like well the song we're about to talk about here viper king <laughs> yeah we're, we're definitely not going to hear anything on this on this i just i'll guarantee it you don't even you know we can make a bet if you want like there's not <laughs> no. anything that sounds like this um well they've they've never done anything that sounds like this before and they probably won't you know again yeah and I, i'll just i'll say it man i love this song i've never met very many people that like this i think it's awesome again this is one that just stuck with me and i do go back and listen to it over and over again I love the riff. It's just it's it's such a unique thing for them, and that like really heavy, deep purple type of vibe that it has. You know, with the classic organ sound and the you know, dig 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 that that like shuffle almost shuffle ish yeah. type a, of groove. A, it's a boogie woogie guitar part, basically. I mean, th- yeah. this is this is deep purple meets Joe Satriani Satch boogie. That that's exactly what the song is to me. Yeah, super super bluesy riff. But James is really top of his range on a lot of this, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I have in my notes where he talks about this loses a few points for being called a bonus track. <laughs> but I mean, I, mean I, I say that jokingly, but uh, yeah, you know, a unique song. I don't, is this, is this supposed to be about like a, a car or a, a plane or, or what is the Viper King actually? I'm not sure to be honest with you. Okay. I thought maybe it was like a, a race car or something, but I, I don't know. Well, it says something about genetic code and I was like, what the hell? I've, I've actually never looked up the lyrics. No. Maybe it's so, about a race car robot. <laughs> and right. I, I wonder if the lyrics are out there. I'd, I'd like to see. Like I, 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 I don't, I don't pay attention to the lyrics a ton unless they really stand out. I'm like, what the hell is that? Um, yeah, most of the time they're just words, is what I found. Like there's the music and then the lyrics are the words. Oh yeah, I think it's a car. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Is it v- venomous by design? Lying idle, biding time. Bore down the clutch, tore up the road, 600 horses, genetic code, lightning speed, the road she bends, slam down the brakes, losing my ass end. Drive on, push to the limit, my Viper King, we're flying high. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kale says, uh, put that comment up there. All right. It really feels like they're going back to the perfect strangers cover for fun and then jamming after that. Yeah, it's 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 definitely got that that deep purple feel to it, doesn't it? Yep. JG JG3 says, "Do I like it me? Is it because it has a Van Halen groove to it? Subconsciously that might be it. That <laughs> very well could be cuz I'm a huge fan of the, of the of the shuffle songs in the Van Halen catalog like, you know, Hopper yeah. Teacher, Pleasure Dome, uh, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So um All right, here we go. 
<laughs> JG3. It was funny before the album was released because James was interviewed about his lyrics on At Wit's End, Out of Reach, and Viper King, and he was getting deeply personal on the first two, and then Viper King is a car. <laughs> I thought Mangini wrote the lyrics on this. Or... No. It, it, or was that like a myth? No, his was... Someone actually put it in the comments. What, whichever he, one of you guys I, put in the comments that which of which of these songs was Mangini's lyric, let us know. Um, oh man, I swore it was Viper King. Are you sure on that? JG three says no. Says it was written by James. Are you saying our fans know more than me? I'm sure they do. <laughs> yeah, go figure. I, I, don't, I don't know anything. So there we go. All right. So so J uh, J and Kale both said Room One Three Seven was Mike Mangini. Oh okay. All right. So, so maybe maybe that's why you're hating on that song. You don't like drummers writing lyrics. Who yeah, knew? Probably. <laughs> you're a biased keyboard player. Yeah. So, um, all right. So yeah. So there, there's the breakdown. Again, I, my biggest takeaways from this really, again, it, it's a total guitar record, and to me, it's just a big f you to people that were kind of like on the fence after the astonishing and, and there was a lot of talk like okay people that weren't a fan of the first two mangini records then they come out with the astonishing and, and people were i you know you either love it or hate it and so this record really feels like an answer to that like no no no, we still got it and it's 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 aggressive even the, even the mellow songs have like kind of an aggression to them in, in the immediacy and the emotion i think and i i think that this is a successful experiment where the self-titled record was a failed experiment because the self-titled record they also said well we're trying to condense our songwriting down into you know shorter more concise things and i don't think it worked on that record you know we'll we'll get into details when we do our deep dive into that album but you know on that record to me it didn't work it did work on this one in my opinion where do you stand yeah, I think this record was necessary because after the astonishing, which I still will debate to this day, is not a dream theater record. It is a <laughs> John Petrucci solo album, and we can debate that till the sun comes up. But um, this was a necessary, you know, organic. Hey, let's all go rent that rehearsal studio or studio that they rented. Let's jam for a month and a half, and let's record while we're jamming, and let's write while we're jamming. And let's just all have input and just very, like we've used the word like 10 times organic. This yeah. had to be done this way. If they did it any other way, I think it would have been a, a giant misstep. And I think they would start kind of losing the essence of, of, of what Dream Theater is. And it sounds yeah. like the new album, they sort of did the same thing. Went back to that approach, which is which is awesome. You know, let's all get in a room. Let's jam. Let's. You know, let's not trade file. You know, other other than I think James, he wasn't there. But yeah, he was but, in Canada. But, but, but when it came to the actual writing of the you know the melody lines and, and the and the you know and the music and whatever, um, it was done very organically for the new album. It sounds like, and that's what this one was. And it it shows, man. I mean, it shows in the recording. It shows in the performances. And like you said, we use the word urgent and immediate. And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like, oh man, that's a great riff. Okay, let's let's jam on that. Okay, let's jam on a little bit more. And I don't know how these guys wrote songs in the past. You know, I don't know if it was, you know, if, if it was a lot of like, hey, I've got a bunch of ideas. I'll throw them out when we get there. Or was it all just sort of like, let's make it all up on the fly, you know? Right. I think from the stuff that I've seen, I mean, it's pretty much written in the studio. Like they book studio time and then they start writing. Um, and then they kind of like piece it together. But it was, you know, like, it's, 
you know, the story has been well told on distance over time. They lived together for a month, you know, as you know, they all stayed there for, you know, was five weeks or something like that. And they, they banged it out there again, you know, both of us use the word immediacy. And I think that's the best way to describe this record. Uh, the thing that's most impressive to me is that when you have a record like this, by any band, the the records that tend to hit you, I mean, oh, this is amazing, like right off the bat, they, they kind of don't last. But this is one of those rare occasions where it does last. You know, it does it does stay with you, and you do still listen to it like, oh my God, this is great. Um, you know, so I, I, I'll be very interested to hear interviews regarding the new record. You know, um, you know spoiler alert, we might be getting one of the guys on. Uh, double spoiler alert, it might be during our normal time slot so that uh, people in the chat can actually ask questions of whoever we get. Um, but I, I'd be very interested to ask the question, you know, how much influence did the success of the writing style on Distance Over Time, how much how much influence did that have on what you did for for the new record? You know, I mean, it seems like kind of like a generic question, but it's like, you know, bands generally don't want to go back to, especially bands like Dream Theater, they don't want to go back to the well and just repeat themselves. But I really wonder if maybe they kind of did because this record was just absolutely critically acclaimed. The fans loved it. You know, you could see, you know, the tours were sold out again. I mean, this record was just absolutely, you know, I, I hate to call it a comeback because, you know, for diehard fans like you and I, we never jumped ship, but I, you know, I talked to a lot of fans that were like, you know, I'm not liking this Mangini stuff. I'm not doing this, you know, and I think this one brought him back in. So I'll be very interested to, again, I bookending a view from the top of the world with this one is going to be interesting. I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by that. So I think, you know, if we, you know, or when we do get one of the guys on, I'd love to ask questions of that nature. You know, I wish we could see, like, just put a camera in, from beginning to end when they're writing these songs I, I you know i know you can see online oh here's a little bit of us jamming on whatever i i don't care about that i want to see the process like it's just fascinating to me like i, I want to see them in the room and john going okay well this is what i'm going to play you know and, and, and then my end going well i'm going to play this and then george goes okay well i'll start playing the, you know i just i want to see it just built from the, the ground up I just just one song like the entire process from start to finish, I would just kill to be a fan to sit there and watch that. Yeah, I think it would it, just be absolutely amazing. It'd be, it'd be hilarious because, like, in public, like, oh, everything's all hunky dory, and you know this, that, and the other, and we we also get the fly on the wall view, and it's Petrucci, and they're like, okay, this riff goes like this. All right, Mangini, here's what you're playing. Yeah. No, 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 that's not what I told you. No, the snares <laughs> on the seventeen. Damn right. you. Mangini, don't make me call Portnoy. <laughs> He's just a, a raging tyrant. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that video of Sons of Apollo. Was it the second album? They're 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 working the song out with Portnoy. I can't remember what song it is. Which is yeah. it's kind of cool, but it's not. You know, it's not in the same. Um, you know, that's kind of I don't want to say minor leagues compared to this because it's a great band. I love their songs, but you know, I would just I just love to see a start to finish. Okay, this is how we're doing. Like, who who directs the whole thing? Because somebody has to be in charge. I mean, I guess it's Petrucci, Petrucci but, and Rudis. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But it's like at the same time, I just I, don't know, I just want to see it. That's all. No, yeah. 
Uh, Nathaniel Rojas, man, he, he he explains it well. He said, it's really hard to explain how good this album is after the self-titled. That record really made me concerned about the future of the band. Distance over time changed all that. I I think that that is a very prevalent opinion because I know I've talked to people that basically had that, you know, that they were not fans of Dramatic Turn and the self-titled record. And then, you know, especially, you know, we, we talk, talked about the Astonishing. So, again, I mean, I, I hate using the term comeback record, but, I, I mean, it really kind of is. And it's almost like they're in a kind of like a, a resurgence. You know, and I, I've I've made that comment when I've talked about the Astonishing, but it's it's kind of, you know, they're kind of in like a second... The, the, you know, I wouldn't say peak, but they're kind of on the upswing again. Well, I'll agree with part of that. I mean, you know, it's a known fact that people that don't like dramatic turn of events are idiots. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, that's way too harsh. They're complete morons. Uh, I, w- I was I was waiting for that. It, it, in your in your defense, I, w- I would say the same thing about people no, that no, dog no, sorry, falling into infinity. No, sorry, they're actually complete and total morons, is what I. What I <laughs> don't, don't, don't you don't you want to use like dream theater terms like like knuckle dragging troglodytes? Yeah. <laughs> we have to have long words and a lot of lot of syllables. Uh, I was thinking huge drooling losers too. That, that's probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I. Man, JG3 says, uh, their studio process was so fascinating on Chaos and Progress, and I'd love to see more of that. Yeah, that was fun. I really liked that documentary. That was really cool. I, I got rid of all my physical like CDs and stuff like that, but I kept that one because I do, you know, I do have the extended version of Systematic Chaos for that reason. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, dude, this record just kicks ass. I, I This is definitely a very top record for me. And it was it was easy to go and have to re-listen to it a bunch to get my notes going and everything. And um, I actually I actually found myself forgetting to take notes a lot of the time because I was just kind of digging it, getting into it. So um, I I love it. I, this is definitely one of the best records for me. It'll be cool to see this on the twenty year anniversary when they're all like seventy nine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, <laughs> a barstool warrior. <laughs> Mangini, Mangini's still he's still yeah. that fast. Yeah. Like, yeah. all right, yeah. we have proof he's an android. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, dude, it was it was awesome having you back. I got to say, it was it was fun talking about buddy Matt Wardlaw about score. That was a blast. And then you know, last week or two weeks ago was you know me me having to filibuster for an hour and 15 minutes was pretty nerve-wracking but hopefully i held down the fort while you were gone and um but yeah, yeah it's it was cool man i did i have one more comment i want to make a lot of sure. people were piling on or you were piling on a lot of people about megadeth risk i think <laughs> yes and, and now all i'm gonna say is hey at least it's megadeth that they're into right that's the cool thing about it. Like you can like I think that that's cool that you can like what I think is a pretty lame album, but it's an awesome band. So hey, who cares? At least you like the band. You know what I mean? There's something to be said for that. Of all to- of all times to not mute yourself, it's when you're giving props in any way to the pile of garbage that is Risk. No, I'm I'm not giving props to it. I'm giving props to someone that hey, at least they still like Megadeth. And I know like Kale, like we've talked about like some of the newer Maidens that he absolutely loves that I think are terrible. But hey, dude's listening to new Maiden. What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? All like, right. It's better than like listening to some other complete you know garbage. So right. I, I don't know. That was my point. It was like, it was like, hey man, at least it's still Megadeth, right? So. Yeah, I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, but no, it was like I say, 
it was weird not doing the show with you, man. It's like I, you and I always like text each other, like you know, the day of or the day before. Like, man, I can't wait to do the show. And it was weird having to go a couple without you. It, it was, it was kind of, it was, it felt different. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, it's good to be back. I, I definitely miss it, man. I mean, I, this, this to me is like I have so much fun doing this show. And, and like I said, I, I really did reflect when I went to that Rush movie. When I left there on the drive home, I, I was jamming some some Rush live, and I was like, I was just thinking about our show. I was like, I was like, is this like weird in a way that I missed our show to go see this movie? Because our show wouldn't exist without this band. So I st- yeah. <laughs> I, I'm still always going to keep kind of thinking about that in the back of my mind. I don't know it's just weird. Right. But uh, yeah, man, this is such a fun show. And everyone who's, you know, we're getting such great, awesome response. And we love all of the interaction from everyone. Yeah. And uh, like I said, we're going to have that awesome show. And in, in, uh, what is it? The Friday the album comes out. Yeah. it's a, Yeah. That was, I was actually just going to say, like, normally our next show would be two weeks from tonight, which would be October 21st. But we're actually bumping it to Friday that week on the 22nd. And we are going to do our, uh, not a deep dive, but we're going to give our immediate reactions to the new record. And our buddy Kale is going to wake up at like 7 o'clock in the morning over there in Australia. And he is going to jump on as a special third guest host with us to kind of dig into the record and give our initial visceral thoughts on it. So um, that should be really fun. Um, you know, so I'd like to see everybody, you know, jump in for that. So that's that's, that's going to be a good time. Um you know, and we we got some cool stuff coming up. Like I say, you know, we're working on getting an interview with one of the band members, which you know they're they're doing press for the record now. So uh, should be chances are pretty good that we will get one. And uh, Aiken, who runs Heavy Metal Television, who we're, it's his network, CMS Network, uh, he's actually talking to them about getting it on one of our show nights at seven thirty, again, so that we can actually do it live, and then you know the viewers can jump in and actually ask questions themselves. So, I mean, an interactive interview, with, uh, bleh, as, I, as I can't speak, an interactive interview with the band, I think would be a kick-ass thing to do. Do we know yet for a fact if, can we confirm whether anyone from the band has watched any of our shows yet or no? Is there any way of knowing? I, or? I do not know. I, I do know that James has watched at least a snippet because when I did the cameo to get the show intro, he calls me JT and that proves that he watched it because on my Star Wars show, the Nerf Herder Council, I don't go by John. I go by JT, which is my family nickname because my, my brother AJ is one of my co-hosts, and he goes by AJ. His name is Adam. And so when James did our cameo, he says, you know, you're watching or listening to the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. So I left JT on the screen one time for one of our shows. I forgot to change it after doing the Nerf Herder Council the week before. So I was like, why the, how would he know I'm named JT? And the, oh my God, he actually watched part of the show. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you, you would have to think that, like, there would have to be, wouldn't there just be an ounce of curiosity knowing that literally we are the only podcast dedicated to this band? Like, it's it's not like ACDC, we're like, oh, you're doing a podcast, or Van Halen. Like, you think, you, you know, you think, um, you know, Brian Johnson cares about an ACDC podcast, you know? Yeah. There's 7 million of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I'm just curious, like, would they, would they, you know, have, obviously you have time and they're not even touring right now. I mean, it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to sit down and listen to every show, but like just for 10 minutes to go, I, what is this about? You know, Gibson, Le- Gibson, Les Paul is probably John Petrucci. <laughs> 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 He's in here just just bagging on us and going back and forth like and he's actually the guy. 
he's, he's gonna get on the show and like pull off this mask and it's gonna be like a scooby-doo moment we're gonna be like what? <laughs> he would have got away with it too if it was for those meddling kids <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh my god that would be phenomenal that would absolutely be phenomenal, man. <laughs> yeah, J- JG3, we are all secretly Dream Theater members. Yeah, the the the, the chat tonight is uh, all five of them. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing, though, if at least one of them like, just got in there as a, a different name or something. Yeah. <laughs> JG3 says, I'm John Mayon, Kale is Charlie Dominici. <laughs> Well, oh. I, I know how tall Kale is, and I know how tall Dominici is. I'm, I'm going to say that's a no on that one. <laughs> yeah. Kale, I forgot to tell you, I'm Portnoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm Batman. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Dude. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on again, Brian. It, it was great. To, it was great to hang out. Finally, going to get back to some normalcy on here. So, um, as you said, the next show is going to be on Friday this next time not thursday so show note it will be friday uh october 22nd at 7 30 p.m eastern standard time and we are going to be doing our immediate reactions to the new record of you from the top of the world i'm going to do my very best to not listen to it before that day um no promises but i'm pretty sure i can i'm pretty sure i can do it so you know we'll be back on our regular we won't be on Stranger Danger anymore. I still laugh every no, time yeah. you type a comment that says Stranger Danger. I, it, it, was, it, was, to it. it was it was so funny because when I when I posted that on Twitter today, like, hey, it's going to the Stranger Danger page. I said <laughs> I, I, I I had to put yes, we're not joking. You know, because oh man, it sounded it sounded so so John, terrible. John was in Facebook jail. He said something terrible about Fernando von Arb from Crocus, and that, that got him banned. <laughs> How'd you pull that one out of? <laughs> what the hey man, Crocus has eyes everywhere. That's the thing. <laughs> Crocus uh, has eyes everywhere. Exactly. Oh my god, that's oh. They're not yeah, just no. scre- they're not just screaming in the night over nothing, you know. <laughs> How do you Let's know all this, this stuff? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No. So yeah, I am. Uh, if you do contact the show page, it'll have to wait until I think Sunday. We're back because I got put in Facebook jail for three days because somebody was on a music post and they were trying to talk about how child molestation was acceptable and I, I called them a pussy. And I got put in Facebook jail, but that guy's talking about that. He's fine. Like, okay, Facebook, I think you got to fix your algorithms. <laughs> like, I'd say so. That seems a little backwards. So, uh, But then again, I hate social media, and that's what I get for commenting on stuff. I should just keep my mouth shut. So, um, Anyways, yeah, so the next show. Uh, when we come to you guys next, we will all have heard a view from the top of the world. So that is going to be an awesome, fun show. Again, our good buddy Kale Rishog is going to be jumping on as third host all the way from Australia at 7 that's, o'clock uh, in the morning. Kale McLeish. Yes, Kale McLeish. <laughs> so... Uh, definitely definitely gonna be a great time so we got to thank all you guys for hanging out with us uh jg3 says thanks for the show guys no man thank you for tuning in we appreciate it we love getting your guys opinion on stuff again i've we've said it many times but having you guys be a part of the show is the coolest part for us because it kind of drives the conversation we get you know some humor out of it some great opinions and some good information so uh yeah kale rishog that's right it's kale rishog so <laughs> <laughs> that's Adam Rashog. That's Kale McLean. I know. I said it wrong. I'm so used to calling you Kale. I'm like I'm like, oh I gotta go to his last name now. Hey, yeah, we so. only have one fan from Austria. You could at least get his name right. <laughs> there we go with that again. <laughs> Nathaniel Rojas, thanks for jumping in with us, man. He says awesome show. Well, thank you. Glad you had a good time. Like I said, we're here every other week. So usually it's Thursday, but again, 
We will be seeing you guys again at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday, October 22nd, where we will be digging into a view from the top of the world to get our very first reactions to it. Uh, Again, we are here every other Thursday, usually at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Facebook, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, or the CMSNetwork.com. Again, you can download the show in audio format pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you want to see video replays, just go to our YouTube page or big suggestion here go check out heavy metal television it's got a ton of content on there not just us we're like a drop in the bucket on that network but they have a ton of kick-ass shows uh the classic metal show uh the aftershocks podcast you know they jumped in here tonight to talk a little bit pop its corner uh skull sessions with bob nelbandian so there's a ton of great stuff on heavy metal television so make sure you go check that out so brian it has been an awesome awesome show and uh, good to see you i will see you in uh two weeks and a day Sounds good. All right, guys. Take it easy. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Just wanted to remind you that we want you to be a part of the show. If you give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, at T-I-I-D-T podcast, we post the schedule of when we are recording the show live. It is a streaming video platform on our Facebook and YouTube pages, and it has a live chat feature where you can comment on the show, ask questions, and we can bring your remarks up on the screen and have you drive the conversation. So again, give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at T-I-I-D-T Podcast, and come hang out with us and be a part of the show. Thanks again, and carpe diem.